It's finally available. I've been working on a manuscript for the past four years, and it is finally a book I can hold in my hands. It's titled, Is God Disappointed in Me? Removing Shame from a Gospel of Grace. This book has gotten so much attention that it is already a number one Amazon bestseller. I'm beyond amazed. In just a few words, I wrote, Is God Disappointed in Me? for Latter-day Saints who often feel overwhelmed by the gospel and who are constantly worrying if they are doing enough. It's for the Latter-day Saint who have stepped away from the church. It's for the individuals who appear to be living right but still can't find peace and happiness. And frankly, it's for everyone who enjoys listening to the Leading Saints podcast. You will love and cherish this book. Now warning, you might want to consider purchasing multiple copies to share. One bishop who got an advance copy read it in one weekend and then literally purchased 100 additional copies. You can order it on Amazon, the link is in the show notes, or starting in March, you can find it in your local Costco in Idaho, Utah, and Arizona. It's called, Is God Disappointed in Me? And you can order it now. Hey, did you know that we video record the vast majority of our interviews on the Leading Saints podcast? That's right, and then we upload it to YouTube because we have a Leading Saints YouTube channel and you should subscribe. Especially if you're the type of person that uh, listens to the podcast while you do the dishes or work out, you can put up the video and get the more immersive experience by seeing my beautiful mug and also the face of the various guests that are on the Leading Saints podcast. And uh, it really helps us out to go to YouTube anyways, subscribe to the channel because that helps us dial in the algorithm and reach more people and get these powerful interviews out to leaders across the world who could benefit. So go to YouTube, search for Leading Saints, find our familiar red logo and subscribe. Well, this is a little different, but a fun episode where I chat with Marjorie Nelson Lauder, who's become a close friend, her and her husband, Brad Lauder, the phenomenal people. Brad is actually a future guest of the Leading Saints podcast, whether he likes it or not. I'm getting him in here and we're going to talk about some other fun stuff. But Marjorie is actually the youngest daughter of President Nelson and her mother was Dancel White Nelson. Now, we've had opportunity to hang out. We uh, are cruise buddies, as we call it. We've uh, spoken on different Latter-day Saint cruises and gotten to know each other, their stories, and hearing just about the, the Nelson family is inspiring. Obviously, we love President Nelson, his faith, his vision, his direction as a, a leader of our church and a, a living prophet. And as we were talking, the idea came up that, you know, it would be interesting to spend an episode on his first wife, Dansel who was a deeply, you'll notice by the end of this, you will know without a doubt how such a deeply faithful saint she was. As many of you know, her death and passing away came suddenly to President Nelson. He told about the story of her losing her life suddenly and, and breaking his heart, obviously losing his his uh, eternal companion in mortality. So I sat down with Marjorie and we just explored the life of Dansel Nelson, who obviously engage with the gospel and our beloved prophet in, in such unique ways uh, as a partner, going through life, raising kids, uh, being the wife of a, of a surgeon, um, how they balance things. And uh, we just want to honor her. And many times in our leadership tradition, the wives of apostles or prophets sometimes fade into the background. And we want to highlight those women who had such a profound influence on those leaders and how they lead. 
And so here's our attempt to do that. I hope you enjoy this and we so much appreciate the Nelson family and sharing their father, grandfather with us as a church, as we look to him as our prophet, no doubt the expense that is on a family as they share their their father with the world. And so I'm so grateful for Marjorie taking this time as we can focus on the other half of President Nelson, his first wife, Dancil White Nelson. And another way that Marjorie has honored her mother is written a book, a children's book, focused on a sweet lullaby that uh, her mother would often sing to her and, and the other children. And so we'll talk about that book as well. So here's my interview with Marjorie Nelson Louder. Today, I have the opportunity to sit down with Marjorie Nelson Louder. How are you, Marjorie? I'm great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now we are, we're cruise buddies, right? Yes. <laughs> We've been on more than one cruise together with our <laughs> spouses and our, what we call our cruise family, because uh, we both have the opportunity to be speakers on some past cruises and maybe some future cruises together, but you have a, another set of cruises coming up as well. So how do you feel about that? Yes. It's fun. I love meeting the people and- yeah. It's a great, great experience for sure. to do with my sweet husband. Yes. So now your maiden name is Nelson, and yes. that's a very well-known name in our faith tradition because <laughs> you are the youngest daughter of President Nelson. Yes. Nice. And and that's nine daughters. Mm -hmm. And then your little brother just below you, yep. the caboose. Our baby brother. Nice. They, Russ, who's taller than all of us. <laughs> nice. Were your parents really like excited to get finally get the boy or... Yes. Yes. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. So you've written a book called Putting on the Moon that is a children's book yes. and it is inspired by your mother. And yes. we were chatting on the cruise. We thought it would be so fun to take maybe an episode on Leading Saints and just honor your mom, Danzel White Nelson, right? Yes. And learn more about her because sometimes, you know, how long ago did she pass away? She passed away in 2005. Oh, wow. And so... A lot of people don't know about the these stalwart wives behind the scenes at times, but really there's a partnership happening there. And so in the book, maybe explain the connection with your mother in the book that you wrote. Yes, that's based on a lullaby that my mother used to sing to us at night. One tradition that I loved was she would sing to us at night. She had a beautiful singing voice hmm. and... She had a whole repertoire that we loved, but this was one of our favorites and was putting on the moon. And so I always, I'm an artist and I always wanted to illustrate a children's book. And so I thought for several years that uh -huh. that, that song would be a fun one to yeah. do in a book. Now, is this a, like a song that she wrote or is it just been, just was in the family forever? I don't think so. But, and my dad couldn't remember where she got it from. I asked her, my cousins on her side, none of their parents sang it. So huh. either she made it up or it was maybe a song that she learned in her vocal lessons in her vocal coaching. Oh, wow. A lot of times she had some of the other songs that we know came from like Chinese yeah. songs. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so was she like, did she, was she professionally trained in vocal performance or what was that background? Yes, she had training and she was a beautiful soprano singer and she had a full ride scholarship to Juilliard. Oh, really? 
but wow. that she didn't end up taking <laughs> because yeah. she ended up marrying my dad. Wow. And deciding that having a family and a mother was her yeah. full-time ambition. Like yeah. that's what she wanted to do. Wow. She was also a school teacher. So hmm. she taught school for, well, some of it was in when she was in Salt Lake. So I don't know how many yeah. kids she had. So yeah. That was before I was born. Yeah. That, right. That's not important. No, I'm just teasing. So maybe just give us a little bit of her early background as far as where she was born and raised and what her growing up years were like. She was born and raised in Perry, Utah, hmm. and right up by Brigham City, just north of Salt Lake. And then uh, she went to the University of Utah, and she was in a musical where she met my dad. And they fell in love and... Yeah. And the rest is history. I mean, it was, <laughs> That's right, all right. she wrote. So, I mean, is there a story for like, was your, your father in the musical or like, how did that, what yeah, was the interaction like? He had a friend or fellow in his, he was studying pre-med, mm-hmm. you know, he was in medicine and um, he had someone trying to talk him into, he had done like in high school, they had done musicals and done plays. He has a great voice and perfect pitch. And so he's a good candidate Mm. and he was, you know, handsome. So his buddy was trying to talk him into it and he said, just come by and see what you think about, you know, they're having an early rehearsal. They're just getting things going, but there are still a few pieces, you know, people that they need to cast. And so he came and at that time, my mom was on the stage practicing her part or whatever. And he said, who's that? And they said, that's Stancil White. She's doing the female lead. And he said, okay, I'll sign up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So probably one of the most important decisions of his life. Right. right? right. Wow. That's awesome. And anything that, that they, any stories they tell about their courtship or anything like that? I think I remember something about, I think he proposed in the pea patch <laughs> in her garden up in Perry. Such a romantic. I know, yeah. Right. <laughs> it is very romantic. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And, yeah, they they had great friends up at the U and uh-huh. had a great experience dating and yeah yeah and then and she knew sort of this life of uh, this medical career that she was signing up for that time and and that took them all over as he was going through his his education right right yeah back to Boston and Minnesota and let's see where else are they Washington mm. yeah and and then it led to a busy life as the wife of a doctor and. All yes. that. So, and did they start having kids pretty soon after they got married or? A handful of years yeah. later. They were in uh, Minnesota when my oldest sister was born. Wow. And growing up, maybe just jumping to when you came on the scene and your early memories of your mom, you know, you talk about the the bedtime singing and anything else as far as what the, the characteristics that, that as you look back with hindsight, like that, that stand out about your, your mother. Well, my mother had the talent of making events and holidays and time together really special. And I think it was really important to her and to my father that when, you know, to create those good memories and she was a master at it and creating wonderful traditions that made us all want to be there and, and be together and it just really strengthened those bonds of family ties. And Mm -hmm. we all just loved being together and still love just being together with my family. Yeah. 
yeah. the best. And that's, uh, you find that that's what you try and do as a, as a mother and grandmother as well. Like just, yeah. just gather. Gathering, you know, try to make something that's like a little recurring special thing that's, that's um, special to your time together. Yeah. We got together once the family started getting bigger and we couldn't go to everybody's birthday, you know, to their house on their birthday because we would have been <laughs> having birthday cake every other night. Um, <laughs> so they got the idea to have a monthly birthday party. And so then we would gather monthly and make it a really special time and we'd have a cake with all the names on it and sing to those people and share gifts or whatever and just do that every month and the 4th of July was really special and she'd make the Olympics. Oh really? Oh, yeah. So she'd have different events and so like she when, when the Olympics were happening or like a family Olympics? No, a family Olympics. Okay. Okay. Yeah. At her family place and you know, different events like, oh, here's the hula hoop <laughs> contest and or like a relay race or a three-legged race or We'd start out with a parade. We'd all decorate up our bikes and the kids still do all decorate up their bikes. And then she'd put up, you know, on John Philip Sousa and we'd ride around the the little track there to have a little parade uh-huh. for the 4th of July. And and then she'd split us into teams and, and we'd compete in the different things. And she would just have medals for everybody and you know, treats for participating or prizes if you were the fastest one or did the longest hula hoop or whatever. Yeah. And then like a Reese's peanut butter cup would be like those little ones that are in the gold wrapper. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, she had that hot glued onto uh, some yarn around your neck. So that was the gold medal or uh, like a peppermint patty with the silver, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So very creative yeah. and resourceful. Right? right. Right. And we'd usually do a craft and that kind of thing. And it was just always so fun. And, and those traditions just have carried on and, and makes it special because we can tell our kids and grandkids now about, oh, how, you know, grandmother did this. And mm-hmm. she just loved it when we would do this part or whatever. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, she's just a mother that would. I mean, like you said, create these uh, these memories, but like an experience for the family that we're not just going to gather, but that we're going to do something like Olympics or like just that energy was uh, something that kept her. I mean, she was engaged with with that, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, or or like a family dinner, like a Christmas at Christmas time. She would have you know a few families over at a time, and she liked to create like themes. So. Everything would be gingerbread, like our little name cards would be, have little gingerbread men on them. And, wow. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just fun themes like that. Yeah. 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 She was just so creative. And yeah. Does she, uh, you know, you would talk about her vocal performance background, but as, as for, you know, you're, you're an artist. Does that, any of that come for your mother then? Or um, Yeah. I think she had some innate talent. We, um, in fact, the year before she passed, we had signed up for a watercolor class together. Oh, wow. And we were getting all into it. And for one reason or another, we couldn't do it right then. But yeah, she had some really natural talent and her mother, we have some paintings that her mother did. And so. Oh, wow. So it's generational. thing. (laughs) I mean, that's cool. That's great. She was a great appreciator of art. She always taught us to see the beauty in everything, whether it was nature or 
art or music. Both my parents loved beautiful things, music, mm-hmm. musicals. We were raised on singing the, from the musicals and oh yeah, sure, <laughs> being in plays and things like that. That's awesome. Any early memories of stories as far as their, your parents' interactions, you know, as uh, raising a family, especially a family of, of 10 kids, right? That, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, um, and, and you were, so when you were born, your oldest sibling was, I mean, what's the age difference there? So there were only ever nine of us at home okay. at once because um, my brother was born after my oldest gotcha. sister was married, but but we had all nine girls there at wow. once. And, and <laughs> was maybe a lot of explain the dynamic estrogen of, in the house. Yeah. So maybe explain that dynamic of just not only a lot of kids, but a lot of, of girls, right? A lot, a lot of, girls, lot of yeah. people in the bathroom getting ready at once, I would imagine, <laughs> yeah. right? What Anything else that uh, yeah. you described that and how she worked her, you know, fit into all that or shepherd all that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. A lot of times I just thought, how did you keep track of that many people and, you know, in that many different stages of life? Because they would be from college kids to to young babies. And I remember when they remember when the prophet came out with that we should do family home evenings. And so when my parents were always, I mean, they taught, they taught us to listen to the prophet and that we, you know, obey and try to follow what the prophet says. And, and they follow, they led by example. And we, you know, started having family home evening and some of the college girls, you know, wouldn't get there till the end or whatever, but they would know we'd be doing that. And, and then we'd be having family prayer, you know, so mm-hmm. at, at certain time, if you weren't there, you would know that you were being prayed for, you know, or you'd, you'd know that your family was kneeling around the parents' bed. And, mm. and I have a lot of great memories of, you know, kneeling around my parents' bed for, for prayer and yeah, love that. Yeah, I bet. And I would imagine, you know, the daughter of a surgeon, I mean, is there's some odd hours <laughs> at times, right? Where or coming and going or middle of the night calls. I, I mean, is that a good way to explain it or how would you explain it? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he would he would have long days, you know, at the hospital and and he just loved. I know he missed that time like snuggling the babies and putting them down to bed and you know, reading with us. If he was home in time, he, you know, we would read to us or bait, you know, give us all baths and, and tuck us in. And, but if he got home and the baby was sleeping, you know, he would tiptoe in and, Mm. and do his little test where he'd lift the baby's wrist up (laughs) just a little bit and, and just drop it. And if the baby like held it up or startled, then he would tiptoe back out of the room <laughs> very quietly. <laughs> and if um if the hand just dropped, then he knew he could pick that baby up and snuggle her and, <laughs> oh, that's and uh wouldn't risk waking the baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I've always wondered is like, I mean, being the having a, a father who's a doctor, I mean, we spend seems like every few months we're at the hospital or an Instacare or whatever, but was there a lot of just, uh, you know, bring me some tape and uh, some pliers and I got to, you know, was there that happening in, in your home or how, how did that work? Yeah, we have several examples of when he would, he had his doctor bag in the car, in oh, okay. the trunk always. <laughs> and uh, so there were times he had to stitch some people up. <laughs> I remember that, but his first response was to put it to bed. Mm-hmm. Like he, he could tell if it was something serious, obviously, but, right. but he would tell us to put it to bed and 
<laughs> Walk it off in other See words. See how it yeah. is in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. Um, anything else as far as with your mom, the memories of just like the, the growing up years? Because I would imagine since you're, you know, I'm the youngest of my family. So, you know, my older siblings give me a bad time that how I had it easy or, you know, <laughs> It's a different Parents experience, change, right? isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, was it as you were age, aging through your teenage years, did you, you know, you weren't at, in a home of, of all these kids. It was now just a handful of kids, right? So it was maybe yeah. a little more It was mostly, typical. yeah, my, me and my brother usually when I, when I got to that uh-huh. age and I was in high school and yeah, we'd come in after a date. I'd, they would make sure that we would check in, right? And uh, so I would tiptoe around to my mom's side of the bed and let her know that I was home. Yeah. Try to not wake daddy because <laughs> he probably had to operate in yeah. the morning. So yeah. He had people's lives on the line. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So sometimes I didn't think it would matter like if that she would notice, but if I didn't check in, she'd wake up, you know, in an hour or so and <laughs> come down and check that we got oh, yeah. home. So yeah. that mom radar is going on. Yeah. I bet you experienced that later on in life, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else as far as that, the dynamic of being a teenager with your mom was, what was that relationship like? Oh, that was, it was great. She, she was really involved as far as taking us to ballet or whatever we were enrolled in or driving us to where we needed to be. Or I remember she did Cub Scouts. <laughs> she was a Cub Scout leader for my brother. Mm. And uh, so that was, that was always fun. And and then I would help her out, you know, like mm-hmm. if we were going to do a, a craft or something, then I would help her with whatever activity they were doing. And so she was, she was great that way. She had this magic of making it feel like, at least to me, I don't know if my sisters would agree well, in their experience, but for me, I looked up to my sisters so much. And my mom somehow made it magical to, in fall time, before we would go school shopping, we'd shop in each other's closets, right? So (laughs) I would see what hand-me-downs there were. And I just thought it was like the neatest thing if I got to finally wear what my cool sisters were wearing, you know. And so somehow she made that a magical thing and something that we looked forward to. Oh, interesting. Because some kids, I mean... Hand-me-downs can be a negative thing, right? But <laughs> right. Uh, if you frame it right, I and, know. Yeah. It's like I don't know how she, I don't know how she framed it, but it, yeah. it worked. And um, but yeah. I, it helps, you know, to have awesome older sisters. Yeah. So you mentioned your mother being in scouting as a, as mm-hmm. a den mother. I don't know if they called yeah. them that back then, but oh yeah, den um, mother. Any specific callings that she had in the church that come to mind? Or yeah, I don't remember a lot of callings in the ward, but she had. She sang with the Tabernacle Choir for oh, really? 20 years. 20 years? Yeah. And so, yeah, my dad was a big supporter of when she did that and he would get us ready or my older sisters, he would help my older <laughs> sisters get us ready for church. And, you know, because he was a stake president when when I was young. So... Is that the time when she was in the Tabernacle uh-huh. Choir? Okay. Yeah. And so... Anyway, she sang in the Tabernacle Choir, and he just loved that. And we would sit and watch the broadcast, and oh wow, and look for mom. And uh-huh. was, wow, so yeah. twenty years yeah. doing that is that 
I'm sure the rules have changed or how they handle that, but she just, that was, everybody gets 20 years and she was done or what, what <laughs> well, caused her to stop? Well, actually her, it is 20 years or a certain age. Okay. And both of those happened in the same year for oh, wow. her. So that So she had her time out. and yeah. wow, that's great. Yeah. That's she awesome. had perfect timing on that. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, you've had your own experience singing in choirs and that, again, that's sort of a tie to your, to your mother, right? Yes. I've enjoyed singing my whole life and I sing in community choir and then Utah chamber artists. I also sing soprano. So that's kind of a fun connection with her. And yeah. And your sisters, do they sing? I've had a couple of sisters who have sung in the Tabernacle Choir and a few of us um, have sung in the Utah chamber artists. So nice. Yeah. Or other community choirs and ward choir. We love, we love to sing and I love singing Together, that's another thing my my parents really did for us and made music really special for us and singing together, especially at Christmas time. It's one of the favorite things yeah. that I love to do. And I have really sweet memories of singing together, even with my two sisters who have passed away. Mm. Uh, some of my favorite memories were, you know, we had a singing session I guess it was like maybe five months before my sister Emily passed away where we actually recorded us singing together because we, you know, she was in a fight for her life and it was a time when she could sing. And, and so we just have loved singing. I love singing with my family and if we can get the brother to sing with us, yeah, that's like the that ultimate. Yeah, we'd so, love it when Russ can sing with us. He doesn't identify as a singer, maybe, or <laughs> even though he can maybe carry a note. Or he he can sing well. Yeah, but he doesn't sing often. I see the with us anyway. There. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we should invite him more. <laughs> but his wife has a beautiful voice, oh, and good. she sings with us. So. Oh, perfect! Well, that that works out. That's awesome. <laughs> so I'm curious, just at home, like you know, you, you hear stories of. Your father, who operated on President Kimball, do you remember? Was that the thing? Did he like come home and say, "I hey, guess what, kids? I I'm operating on the prophet," or obviously that maybe there's certain you know you can't share medical HIPAA stuff, rules. But HIPAA rules, right? <laughs> but I mean, do you remember that being a thing? Or I think I do remember it in the news. I remember more when we got to meet President and Sister Kimball hmm. when he was General President of the Sunday School. We got to go to a Sunday school general board Christmas party, and um, we actually drove to the the Kimball's home and oh, picked wow. him up and got to drive him downtown. So my parents and I don't know why I was in the car. I mean, <laughs> probably my brother and I were there. Yeah, but and were, I mean that you, was pretty cool. Were you even a teenager yet at that point? I- yes, probably. Oh, okay. And so you were in the car just going with mom and dad and there's the prophet, right? Yeah. 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 That was pretty special. Right. Interesting. How about just going in, into, well, let me ask this question first is I'm just thinking of, you know, obviously we want to honor your, your mother and I'm just, I mean, she was incredible and, and you have so many fond memories and, you know, it, but in this Instagram age we live in where it's hard not to compare yourself, you know, especially as a mother to other mothers, they seem to have it all figured out. They did it all right. Yeah. I mean, how would your mom respond or how, how would you respond as far as if there's women listening, feeling like, oh, you know, I just, I can't do it like the Nelsons, right? <laughs> like, obviously I'm sure she well, had weaknesses and things like that, but yeah. how would you respond? Join the club. It's yeah. hard to live up to my mom. <laughs> right. <laughs> but 
We've not missed out on trials and and hard things and everyone's journey looks different. And I think that one thing that she did do well was just to to know that we were loved and the grandchildren were loved and mm-hmm. no matter what they were doing or dealing with or doing or not doing, yeah. <laughs> you know, that they were loved and that they were loved by the family and that they were children of God. And so we try to pass that on to our kids and man, you know, my parenting certainly didn't look the same as hers. And I just think she would say she knew all of her imperfections and that no one's perfect. And I have, you know, great memories of it probably because I was like the little sister and (laughs) (laughs) had all the stars in the eyes for everybody. You know, I just love my family. And, but and she'd really figured out mothering at that point, right? With <laughs> all guess. the other siblings. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, even when, you know, even when I was a mother and I would be having troubles or worries and I would ask her, you know, what her thoughts were, you know, she never was judgmental or I just feel like she would say, you know, everyone has their strengths and everybody has their weaknesses and we're all just learning and. Yeah. And that that's part of the journey. And of course, it's not going to look the same. And we were far from perfect. (laughs) I set up a lot of the fun, happy memories. But, you know, there's hard things, too. And, you know, having she wasn't alive when when I got divorced, but she was alive when my oldest sister got divorced. And, Mm. and, you know, hard times, you know, come and not every. Not everything goes easy. Yeah. And, you know, they had my sister pass away from cancer when she was just quite young. She was 39, my sister. Oh, wow. And my mom had just come through cancer treatment. She had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and was undergoing chemo at the same time as, as my sister. And I know that was really hard on her that she survived and my sister Mm. didn't. That was hard for her. Yeah. Yeah. I just think she'd be the first to tell everyone, you know, her shortcomings. Sure. Or, I, one of my favorite stories that your father told when he was called as an apostle was that uh, when your sisters went into labor, when they found out he was called <laughs> as an apostle, right? That was my sister, Emily. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. And, mm-hmm. uh, but what's your story? What do you remember of finding out that your, your father had been called as an apostle? Well, I happened to be with them down at the tabernacle and, my brother and I drove down there with him. My mom was had gone down earlier for choir. So we were there in the tabernacle. So your mom was in the tabernacle choir. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we drove down there with my dad and um And you were a teenager at this point? Or, yeah. Okay. I think I was eighteen. So we were sitting he was a regional representative at the time. Which is similar to like an area authority. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Area seventy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Serving down in the BYU area. And so we sat there with him under the balcony there where they were all sitting together and then and they just called his name. Like they just read his name in order, you uh-huh. know. <laughs> like they don't say, 
hey, and we're going to announce yeah. two new... Him and then Dallin Oaks. Two right, new right. apostles. Yeah. No, it was just they read through the line and Russell okay. M. Nelson and Dallin H. Oaks. <laughs> so at this point, you had no idea? You're just like, I'm going to conference yeah. with dad and mom, right? And yeah. They, they didn't give you a heads up or anything, huh? No. Wow. No. My dad's very obedient. Yeah. I don't think he had permission to tell his children. And so he could tell were. my mom, but yeah. not the kids. Wow. And that's when your sister went into labor because she didn't know either, right? Right. None of us knew. It was kind of shell shock there. Yeah. So then was your dad sitting with you then? And yeah. And then he went up to the, the stand yeah. and so there then, he was. The mm-hmm. rest of your life has changed, right? the rest of his life at least, right? Right. Wow. Wow. And then what do you remember about your your mother like learning that or adjusting to life now that since she's thrust into this really heavy administrative life of a traveling husband as an apostle and and doing all the apostle things. What do you remember about your yeah. how your mom adjusted to that? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, she still had the two of us at home. I was a senior in high school and, and my brother was six and a half years younger than me. So sometimes she would travel with him quite a bit, actually, when they would go, when he'd go internationally or over a longer period of time, she would go. And so I know that was an adjustment for her to have to start speaking and, oh, yeah. you know, preparing talks. And I mean, she's a good, she's a good teacher in Relief Society or wherever she was, but she, you know, that was kind of new to always have, you know, talks to give. Yeah. And, Is that something that she sort of fretted over or was nervous about, or she just sort of leaned in and did it? I think she just kind of leaned in and did it. She yeah. wasn't much of a complainer or yeah. we wouldn't know externally. I'm much worse at hiding that when I'm freaking <laughs> out about something. <laughs> yeah. My mom is pretty calm demeanor and, but she, yeah, she, I think that was new for her, but she just loved um, learning about different cultures and, and meeting people. Yeah. And, you know, visiting with saints all over the world. Mm-hmm. How would you describe your relationship with her as a, as a young adult or now as an adult? Oh, she was just great. I just always loved talking to my mom. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many calls she had from her children every day, <laughs> how right. much time she had left for uh-huh. anything else. But um, I loved whenever I could get a chance to talk to her and you know, pick her brain on this or that or how to, you know, what was her opinion on, you know, like, how do you cook this or how do you fix that, mend this, you know, type of thing. She's an excellent seamstress. And so I always loved getting advice from her and I'd often have to really draw it out of her. She was not like overbearing with, my parents were very much hands-off once we were married and you know building mm-hmm. our own life they were yeah. they just expressed great confidence in us being able to well you'll I know you'll do I know you'll do it right or I know you'll do it well cuz you know we'd try to get their opinion on something and <laughs> just yeah. like they were they were not like dropping it all the time like huh micromanaging yeah. our lives so. yeah they got you to this point you can handle the rest <laughs> like you're <laughs> You're intelligent and you're, yeah. you know, you can do this and you've got this. And I think a lot of just their confidence in us gave us a lot of confidence. Oh, well, maybe I can do it if yeah. they believe in me. Yeah, that's cool. Just with her temperament in, in general, 
what stories come to mind? Oh, she was just so calm and even keeled. It's hard to get her riled up <laughs> about mad at anything, but, and she was just so patient and she just understood we were children and little humans and not little <laughs> adults that were trying to vex her, you know, uh-huh. she just was really patient and she was a really good seamstress one. When my sister was getting married and my mom was creating, she was sewing all of the bridesmaid dresses and for every wedding, for all of our weddings. And And all the sisters were the bridesmaids. So she, (laughs) she had at least eight dresses to to sew, right? Yeah. And I remember for this one, these dresses, they were so pretty, like, okay, youngest girl again, (laughs) pretty dresses. But they had several panels that got sewn together. So it was a long piece that went from the top to the bottom of the dress. And then it was sewn, you know, with seams down. And I think she had probably seven of the eight bridesmaids dresses done. And we had gone out somewhere and then we came home and we came downstairs and my little brother had taken a pair of scissors. He was just little, probably like five or something. (laughs) And taken scissors and just cut up several of the panels, like right in the middle of the panel. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and we all just froze. And my mom just said, Oh, look, he was trying to help. <laughs> oh my goodness. He's been seeing me, you know, cutting the fabric. And I'll tell you what, that would not have been my reaction <laughs> for my kids. Right. Yeah. So. Wow. Did she, Rest assured. did she fix the dresses or is it like a fashion statement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she fixed it. I'm sure yeah. she probably had to go get more fabric or whatever to, uh-huh. to repair it. But yeah, she just was unflappable on wow. that kind of stuff. Awesome. She just understood that like she could just kind of relate how children yeah. feel. Like she just was really good that way. No, that's Very awesome. patient. That's awesome. <laughs> So, I mean, your mother was alive around 20 years of the time your father was an apostle. Any other story or thought or about her life during that time? I just think she enjoyed their time traveling and they would bring us home dolls from the different places that they visited or like a doll. They brought home a doll like to display or to show us, to kind of show us the different cultures and things that they were learning and seeing. And then she started putting it together on a Christmas tree every Christmas. Uh, One of the, like the tree back in the family room would be one with all of our little ornaments that Uh we had made and our pictures (laughs) and all that stuff. And then in the front room, we started having a tree that had that she decorated with all oh, these dolls from around the world oh, and it made it really special. And I remember when maybe it was after she passed away, we were trying to figure out how we would distribute these dolls, you know, how, how that was going to happen. And we had all the granddaughters choose a doll oh, wow. from the, you know, collection. And oh, so wow. that was a really special way to kind of tie the generations together yeah, that way too. I'm sure they'll keep passing Continue those down. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. 
you know, obviously from, I remember your father telling the story of your mother passing in, in general conference and it was very sudden. What do you remember just, you know, I'm just thinking of other families out there who lose a loved one or a, a parent suddenly, like, what do you remember as far as what pulled you through that? How you process that more than that? I mean, what comes to mind is uh, when you think of her passing? Yeah, that was, oh, that was a hard thing. That was a really hard time in my life. Cause again, she was such a big, just the heart of our home. And that was, yeah, it was very sudden. So you don't get that time for closure and, yeah. but one thing that was always really comforting was that we always told each other we love each other. Like she knew that we loved her yeah. and we knew that she loved us. And so that wasn't just an unspoken like, oh, I wonder how she felt about me. So that was helpful. But just feeling the literal comforter and the prayers of people buoying us up and lifting us up through that time that was that was so hard. And even though you know the plan right. of salvation and that you're going to see each other again, that is right to mourn. You know, God told us that, that we live together in love so much that we mourn and weep for those who die. And it's, that's really natural. But I just remember feeling so much love come in from other people and their appreciation and their hearing people's stories of their experience with my mom. And even to this day, anybody who knew her, you know, anybody who says, oh, I knew your mother and we did this and this. And I just love, you know, hearing other people's experience and that other people remember her, you know. So I think a lot of that is helpful when you're going through those, that lost time is to connect with people's stories. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think that's a powerful principle of what an honor it is to, you know, Sometimes it's hard when somebody loses some, especially so suddenly, what do I say? Do I, you know, what if I say the wrong mm -hmm. thing? But to just share those moments of how they impacted your life, you know, that as an individual, and that will mean a lot for, for the family. Right? Yeah. They hear that. Because you learn how they interacted with other people and yeah. how, you know, what they did or their qualities that were special to other people. Yeah. It's powerful. Great. Well, um, let's, I guess, as far as wrapping up the, the book that you put together to, you know, really is to honor your mother is putting on the moon. And if people want to check it out or get it, is there a certain place you would send them or? Well, there, it's available at a lot of the Deseret books, but also on my website, marjorielouder.com. And, you know, if you want me to sign it or whatever, yeah, order it there and I can sign it for you. Awesome. Perfect. Now the the cool thing about the book that definitely people should check out is on the the very back or on the last page, right? There mm -hmm. is a QR code, and maybe explain how that works or what what it is, or or why you have a QR code in the back. Yeah, why have a QR code? That stemmed from earlier on when I was going to do the first time around when I was going to try to illustrate this book and try to make it come. I was going to put a DVD. No. What did they used to be called? CDs. The, oh, CDs. <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Way back when the music CD of the song 
right. I was going to put it in a sleeve in the back of the book. And so then when I decided to do a board book and by the time it, I actually created it, then QR codes were a thing yeah. and we can scan a QR code and you can hear my mom actually singing the song. That's awesome. uh, thanks to my sister, Brenda, who <laughs> one year for Christmas had my mom sing a bunch of her, like oh, the wow. repertoire and also um, a bunch of primary songs and recorded it for us and gave it to us as a gift for oh, Christmas. And now that's just priceless. And so yeah. it's such a treasure. And and that's another note too, to if you have those special kind of traditions and things that you share together to record them or yeah. to, to save them and what a meaningful gift that was for us. And yeah. that, that just keeps giving for yeah. the generations. Yeah, I think we mentioned earlier, you you illustrated and these are all painted, right? All yes. the illustrations that you did. Yeah, so you didn't only color. Yeah. So I mean, what was that experience like? <laughs> it was fun. It was really fun and took me a long time. Yeah. And most people I'm do. slow. Yeah. Well. I'm a slow painter. But it was really fun, very joyful to do it as well. That's awesome. Had a lot of fun. Well, what a wonderful <laughs> way to honor your mother Danzel White Nelson. Anything else we missed? Story concept? We do pretty good. Thanks for a chance to chat about yeah. her. <laughs> do you want to sing it or do, are you not comfortable with that right now? Or what oh, do you think? Sure. You want, so you'll, you'll <laughs> sing the, the just probably sounding just like your mother then, right? And we'll end with that. So I call it pudding on the moon because you'll get it. It's rice pudding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not like pudding on the Ritz. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There was an old woman who lived in the moon. She baked a rice pudding, but cut it too soon. Because it was not done, she gave it a throw. It came to our planet, and we call it snow. When the little boy saw what his mother had done, he made such a frown that it clouded the sun. He lost his dear pudding. He cried all in vain. His tears fell in torrents, and we call it rain. When the man in the moon who had been off to town saw his boy crying, it caused him to frown. He gave him some candy and told him to dine. Now everyone was happy and we call it sunshine. The end. That's it for this Leading Saints episode. I encourage you to check out some of the most popular episodes of the podcast that we list at the bottom of the show notes. If you haven't listened to all of those, do so now. And remember, grab your copy of my new book, Is God Disappointed in Me, on Amazon or in select Costco stores. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.